The Fields Auto Group proudly presents Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks, J.P. Shadrick, John Osher, and NFL Network analyst and former Jaguar Bucky Brooks bring you the latest on your Jacksonville Jaguars. We've got to look to the draft. We've got to look to developing the guys that are currently here and obviously retain as many of these guys as we can. Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks starts right now. Welcome into the Huddle Up podcast. Today is Wednesday, March 29th. J.P. Shadrick in with NFL Network analyst Bucky Brooks. Jaguars.com senior writer John Ozer traveling back from Phoenix, not with us today. Give us a listen on the podcast page at Jaguars.com or on the official Jaguars podcast network. That's on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you download your pods. Bucky, good afternoon to you. Good morning in L.A. as we record this. And the offseason continues. The NFL annual meeting is coming to a close. It's a big, uh, huge event in the offseason now. And the league likes to have these things every two, three weeks in the offseason. This is certainly a big week. Yeah, big week. A lot of things going on, a lot of news to discuss and report. And uh, I don't know why you say it's an offseason. There's never an offseason. <laughs> there's get-ready season, and then there's the season. And right now, everyone is getting ready. They're getting ready for the draft. They're getting ready for the players to come back into the building for offseason workouts. And then they're getting ready to enjoy my favorite part of it, OTAs and minicamp. I yeah. love that part. Just to see the practice, track all the stuff that's going on. To get ready. Like, before you know it, JP, we're right back in the mix, and we'll be playing. Football things are on the horizon. Actual football players on an actual field, not wearing actual pads, but they are actually going through the motions, at least, and that's a step in the right direction. Let's review Doug Peterson. He spoke, as all coaches do during the NFL annual meeting. There's a coach's breakfast, AFC one day, NFC the next, and Peterson was speaking earlier this week, Monday at the – Biltmore in Phoenix, and the big question about the offense moving ahead. Trevor Lawrence going into year two in his system, and Doug Peterson in year two. What can he expect from this Jaguars offense? You know, for Trevor, it's just understanding now. He knows Christian and Zay and Evan, and he knows all those guys around him. It's just now we need to get better in the passing game. We need to we need to take it up another <clears throat> another notch. And you know, Travis Etienne, Jamichael Hasty, Snoop Connor. You know, guys in the running game, we've got to be better at angles. We've got to be better at hitting holes. We've got to see the hole better. There's just those little detailed things that now in year two, we'll be able – well, year two for us, it's year three for them, but um, that they'll be able to see. And, and, and we can show them now on tape this spring those those issues. And that's where we get that's where we get better, and that's where we take another step. It's just the, the details of what we're doing uh, in all three phases. And um, – you know, that's why this offseason will be exciting to get the guys back. And we're not necessarily installing the offense again or the defense again, right? It's Now it's just how we make it better and how we use our players better um, in, in certain situations. Yeah, so, Bucky, the details of this offense, just the little things, the timing, maybe a, a, the difference in routes and guys running and, and just getting that chemistry together and building upon what they did last season. Yeah, that's the, the advantage that you have when you don't change systems. You have the same head coach, offensive coordinator. You have the bulk of the players returning. You have your core offensive players all returning. Now you're building upon what it is that you established last season. For the offense, for Trevor Lawrence in particular, it's, it's a very exciting time. Trevor now has an opportunity to play with the same set of playmakers on the outside with an upgrade and Calvin Ridley coming on board. And we won't try and put too much on Calvin, but – 
let's everyone needs to understand very special player that is joining the crew and uh this offense can be really special with what uh, has has been assembled uh i would expect the jaguars to not only have a top five offense but to be one of the more explosive and exciting offenses that we see in the national football league next season Got a score, right? I mean, this is a Jaguars defense that early in the season was mm-hmm. good against uh, getting taking the ball away, and then later in the season uh, got back to that. But, I mean, they, this offense averaged, what, 24 points per game? I think that was you know, mm-hmm. top 10 in the league. And then, But the, the leaders in the NFL are like 28, 29 points per game. You add two, three points a game, then, then all of a sudden you're right there in the top five. Yeah, so uh, I, I would think with Doug Peterson, uh, the offense being his baby, the magic number that he's going to talk to the team each year is 30. You get to 30 point each week, it's going to be 30. You get to 30 points, you're going to win games in this league. And it takes the pressure off the defense being a what we call a shut them down defense to being an opportunistic defense, which is what uh, we ended up having last season, taking the ball away, getting timely stops in the red zone, making just a handful of plays to be able to get off the field to win it. But the pressure... The, the unit, uh, the side of the ball that should carry the water has to be the offense because that's where not only where the resources have been kind of expended, but that's where I would say the best players are. Your quarterback, uh, you think about all the wideouts, you think about Travis Etienne in the backfield, uh, the offense has to be ready to go each and every week. Uh, I'll say this, and typically you want the defense to kind of guide you to the championship, but offensively, no off days they have to be able to hit that number. It has to be 30 points. And so there'll be a lot of pressure. I think you'll see maybe a uh, more ornery Doug Peterson in terms of demanding a little more from the offense because he understands if this offense gets up and running and they can be one of the top two or three scoring offenses, the Jaguars are going to win a ton of games next season. Yeah, you gotta, it's a scoring league. I mean, you don't, you're not winning games. Uh, you, this is not the 2000 Ravens. They're not, you know, you're not <laughs> building on defense and winning at, you know, 17-7 anymore. No, but it's a different look for us because remember now for the Jags, every time the Jags have been good, it's been less about the offense and more about the defense. Saxonville and going all the way back is about the defense making plays. This will be a flip because – Maybe for the first time in franchise history, we're talking about an offense that is high-powered. I mean, putting points up on the board, lighting it up. And so, uh, J.O., I give him a, lo- a-, a hard time. John Osh is always like, man, let's put it in the air. Well, they're going to put the ball in the air because now the firepower is in place, and Doug Peterson is very comfortable with the quarterback to make it happen like that. Bucky, you mentioned something earlier and you know, about Calvin Ridley and what to maybe expect from him. And you, I don't exactly remember what you said, but you said maybe temper it a little bit. What can we expect from Ridley? What should fans expect from Ridley uh, as, in terms of a number or, you know, you know, it's his first time on the field in a year and a half. Yeah, first time on the field in a year and a half. That's why I say temper it because you have to knock some of the rust off. It's hard to go that long uh, without playing and kind of hit the ground running. That said, if the Calvin Ridley that is uh, that was last on the field, the one that was a top five in terms of receiving yards, the guy that stepped in and replaced Julio Jones as the Falcons' number one receiver, if that guy makes his way to Duval, it's going to be a problem. It's going to be a problem because he is similar to what we have but a little different. Spectacular route runner, very interchangeable in terms of where he can line up on the field, terrific pass catcher, and the big play element could come from Calvin Ridley because – not because of the speed factor, but because he is such a route runner. And if he can begin to command attention as a number one, now you'll see Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram, and Zay Jones 
you can see their numbers explode because now defenses have to account for that. Because remember, last year, teams were able to kind of play the Jaguars straight up. They didn't necessarily commit double teams on occasion. Maybe they would go after Evan Ingram. Maybe they would kind of do Christian Kirk in the slot. Well, now if you have to commit a full double team, that means everyone else is in one-on-one situations. And so let's put it this way. If I'm in the offensive room, what you put up is four 1,000-yard numbers, meaning three wide receivers that hit the 1,000-yard mark. Travis Etienne is over 1,000 yards rushing. You do those things. Now your offense, uh, as a byproduct of that production, your offense does get close to 30 points a night. I, I gotta imagine that hasn't happened a whole lot around the league, right? Three thousand yard receivers and a thousand yard rusher—that's no, that's hard to find. It, it, it hasn't. It hasn't happened a lot. Um, I remember the Arizona Cardinals did way, way, way back. Maybe when Kurt Warner and those guys were there. And I think that might have been a Super Bowl team yeah. when they had Stevie Breeze and those guys. But uh, it absolutely can be done. I mean, look at how productive the offense was last year and Doug Peterson's first year. Well, now you know the system. He knows the players. And so instead of installing a generic system, now you're taking the system and you're beginning to tweak it around the talent that you have. And so we'll keep it quiet because we don't want the rest of the NFL to like think that we're being like arrogant and cocky or whatever. But the expectation should be that this is going to be a really good Jags team. Offensively, they're going to light it up. And so there is something that comes with that. I'm excited to see. But yeah, the optimism should be, this has, team has an opportunity to have three 1,000-yard receivers and a 1,000-yard running back. And if you do that, you're going to hit the 30-point mark. You heard it here first. Bucky Brooks is calling it, and what a season that would be. This is the Huddle Up Podcast. J.P. Shadrick, Bucky Brooks. Let's flip it to defense now. Doug Peterson at the AFC Coaches Breakfast earlier this week at the NFL Annual Meeting. Priority number one, pass rush. Yeah, I think we've got to in- improve our pass rush. Uh, I think that's that's uh, that's vital, particularly on third down. You know, I thought we were we were good in the run. We just got to continue to to get better in the run and 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 shore up some things there. But you know, I think too the the passing game is the the area that we have to look at and address this off season and and um, you know clean that part of it up. And it all starts up front, putting pressure on the quarterback. And whether we're doing that with four guys or five guys, you want to see Trayvon take take that next step in year two. You know, you want to see Josh come along again as an edge rusher. You know, and, and, and really in his fifth year, you know, make an impact, you know, with the team. And, and um, you know, we're confident that both those guys can do that. We're, we were excited to extend Roy, you know, and get him back. And, you know, I think, I think the Fotokasi is a, a guy that can really make another step in the, in, the, in the right direction within the scheme. And so the pieces are there. Um, and now it's just a matter of continuing to, to coach and, and uh, uh, improve in all areas. How does Trayvon Walker take a next step? What does that look like? It's uh, what does that feel like in this off season for him going into year two? He's a big, physical, talented guy, but what is the next step, and what does that look like for him? The next step is Trayvon Walker understanding who he is as a player and just being the best version of that. It doesn't mean that he has to be a double-digit sack artist. That's not necessarily in his repertoire. It means that each and every time. He lines up. When we look at 44, he dominates the game in some form or capacity. That might be creating disruptive plays at the point of attack against the run game. That might be dominating and knocking people back so others can make plays. It is being a guy that is worthy of being the number one pick in terms of just impact and and disruption. And so 
a lot of people have kind of taken him to task in the past in terms of like, hey, he wasn't a high a high sack producer at Georgia. Is he ever going to be that? Well, let's take that off the table. Can he be a guy that dominates the game as a run defender? Can he be a guy that creates opportunities for others to get it done? He just has to be a dominant player. And whatever that looks like for him based on his skill set, we can live with. But he just has to be a dominant player in year two. Bucky, we saw down the stretch Josh Allen's numbers really take off. Uh, sack game, tackles for loss. In the last month of the season, he was all over it for this Jags team. So it's year five for him. Obviously a contract year for him coming up. Um, this is this is all coming together for Josh, but he's never really had that huge breakout season maybe his early year his first year when he went to the pro bowl other than that it it hasn't been um you know uh, consistent let's put it that way he's been inconsistent and how do you build that now in year five and does that come along with these other guys growing around him as well um it, it can come together another another thing that we have to understand um a lot of times when we draft players we draft with them hoping that they'll project to be something. Well, now when guys play in the league, you have to evaluate them and, and literally view them for what they are. What I would say Josh Allen is, is a guy who has the potential to get the 10 plus sacks, but he might be an 8 to 11 guy his entire career. What he can be and what he's shown is he can be a productive, high effort player who has a knack for creating turnovers. And so whether that's strip sacks, whether that's scooping scores, whether that's picking off passes, he has to find a way to make his impact felt. Uh, as much as I would love for guys to grow and to be dominant pass rushers, uh, it might be something that has to be more schematic, created by design, as opposed to them whipping and winning people in one-on-one matchups. And so it might be a team, the Jags, that maybe they only get to 40 sacks, but they find a way to create pressure and they take the ball over. And so part of the way that you play on defense is to complement the offense. And so if in the first part of the podcast we talked about the offense putting up 30 points, yeah. well, now defensively is, well, let's just bend but don't break. Find a way to be great in the red zone. Find a way to get a handful of sacks on third down to get off the field. And so your emphasis and your play calling changes to complement what you do on offense. And so when I talk about Doug Peterson maybe putting more pressure on the offense It's him looking at the roster, looking at the team and saying the strength of the team is the offense. I'm going to make sure that this offense knows they got to go every week, but I'm going to be on the defense to understand that your style has to complement how we play on offense. And one name that, that Doug Peterson didn't mention in that bite we just heard was Devin Lloyd and how he could fit in the future of this pass rush as well. It's something we didn't see a lot of from him last year. That wasn't his role, but Hey, well, that, that can always change. And he has an offseason that he's around and available. He missed all the training camp last year. He missed all the training camp, and it has to be one of the top priorities. Uh, regardless of what uh, people say, like whether you're disappointed in his production as a rookie, whatever, uh, he's a first-round pick. you got to figure out a way to take what he offers and maximize it. And so that is uh, the conversation that Doug Peterson has with defense coordinator Mike Caldwell. How can we put Devin Lloyd in a position where he can impact the game in some capacity? Is that maybe using more sub packages, him coming off the edge or being uh, an additional pass rusher in these uh, unique and exotic looks? Is it a hey, maybe he does play more off the ball linebacker and starts or maybe he, he doesn't and he's the role player that comes in. He has to have a role that is an M- that allows him to make an impact. In fact, all those second-year players taken at the top, uh, Trayvon Walker, 
Devin Lloyd, Chad Muma, they have to make outstanding leaps in terms of growth in their games. They have to be key contributors this season. Lock in your seats at the bank this fall. Place your deposit at jaguars.com slash ticket. Seat selection coming soon, and the perfect spot is waiting for you in 2023. Bucky, we're back in a moment. We'll hear from Jaguars owner Shad Khan, who feels like they've cracked the code to NFL success. That's next on the Huddle Up Podcast. Welcome back to the Huddle Up Podcast, and Daly's Place kicks off another unforgettable season. April 14th, country superstar Kenny Chesney comes to town. Music lives here, and Daly's has something for everyone. Old Dominion, Tedeschi Trucks Band, Yellow Card, Wu-Tang Clan, and Nas, and much, much more. A full list of shows and tickets available at dailysplace.com. Let's hear from Jaguars owner Shad Khan, J.P. Shadrick, Bucky Brooks. It's the Huddle Up Podcast. Well, Shad Khan visited with our compatriot, John Osier, who was in Phoenix this week. He's not with us on the podcast. The interview coming up soon, I think Wednesday afternoon on Jaguars.com. A sneak preview here on the sustainability of the football side moving ahead from the Jaguars owner. I think what gives me the confidence of sustainability is, uh, you know, head coach, general manager, and the quarterback. I think, uh, you know, uh, they're here for the long haul, and with them, I think, uh, uh, you know, we've lost a couple of players this year, salary cap, I, you know, I hated to see them leave, but uh, that's really a measure of success that you can't hang on to all your players, you know. And so then obviously the skill, uh, the trick is to replace them hopefully, you know, with better players. So, uh, you know, we've got the draft uh, primarily to develop players for the future and a system that is sustainable. He uh, said it in another part of the interview, Bucky, that he felt like he had cr- they had cracked the code. The Jaguars had cracked the code in the NFL. But, yeah, head coach, GM, mm-hmm. quarterback. It takes time as an owner. I mean, remember he took over in the 2012 season, first time as an owner. Had not been around the NFL before. And, you know, he's gone through different iterations of coach and GM and changes and you know, having to fire coaches after a year, that's not sustainable. But now he feels like that's a step in the right direction. And obviously with the success at the end of last season, it's got to give ownership a lot of positive vibes, if you will, moving ahead. It does give you a lot of um, confidence and there's a lot of positivity, not only because of the way the product looked on the field, but I would say the chemistry and the cooperation that appeared to exist between the general manager, head coach, and the quarterback, meaning that Trent Baalke and Doug Peterson appear to see the game through the same set of eyes. Uh, the players that are brought in match the system, and so you're able to have success. It is carried out by having the right quarterback in place who is able to evolve and become the leader of the team. We have seen a tremendous amount of growth from Trevor Lawrence in terms of being the leader. He was tasked with tough circumstances as a rookie, but really grew throughout his second season where we saw a player who might have been struggling midway through to really take a huge step forward and kind of become not only the leader of the team, but become, let's say, a top 10 quarterback in this league. Now the expectation when you have the synergy is how can we take it to the next step? How can the cooperation and chemistry continue with the general manager and head coach? And how can the franchise quarterback make the leap from good to great? 
where he plays like a top five player, where every time we have a conversation about the quarterbacks, whether it's in the AFC or in the league, his name is always included in the ranks or with the ranks of Mahomes, Burrow, Josh Allen, and those guys. That's the next step, because when you have a top five quarterback, you always have a chance to compete for the title. That is the goal, and that that is part of what you do as a team. Build a team to support the quarterback once you have a franchise quarterback in place. Steve's been chasing it for a long, long time. And, you know, Bucky, it, it could be the other way around, too. This team could be in the um, the ballpark that the Ravens are in right now, trying to deal with what's mm-hmm. the future of Lamar Jackson or – the Packers. I mean, that's the Packers have been in a good place for about twenty-five years. But uh, hey, they, they're on the midst of changing again. The Jets are trying to figure it out. I mean, all that is in the headlines. The Jaguars aren't involved in any of that, which is okay. That's a good step. But um, it is it's priority number one for organizations to get that thing right at quarterback. And you see what teams will spend and do to to get it right. And to get it right in the draft is is the best way to go about it. And this is what this team has done. Yeah, this is what this team has done. So now everyone has to understand, and I think Jaguars fans have to know this, and they have to get used to the number that could come uh, at the end of next season. <laughs> right. If Trevor Lawrence plays well, Trevor Lawrence is going to be a 50 to $55 million quarterback each year. That's just the going rate. You have to be okay with it. With the deals that are on the horizon, Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts. Um, Herbert. Herbert's Justin this Justin Herbert. Yeah, what's, what's, what are, are they going to get? Lamar Jackson will get whatever he's going to get. The price tag for the, uh, a marquee quarterback, a franchise quarterback, particularly a good one, is going to be over the $50 million mark. And so everyone has to understand it. And if you're the Jaguars, you have to make sure, and this is why it's important that the draft picks that we talked about, the Trayvon Walkers, the Devin Lloyds, the Chad Mumas, the guys that are in this 23 class, you have to hit on those guys because when you pay number 16, you're going to have to depend on the newbies, the rookies, the young guys on cheap contracts to make key contributions. And so it changes the dynamic of the team. And so you have to understand it. And everyone has to have this conversation privately in the building. When we pay Trevor Lawrence, we have to make sure that the team is built for a big money quarterback. And so that means we got to make sure that we get the young guys ready to go. We develop those guys. We got to identify which core players are essential to number 16 playing well we got to pay those guys, and then we got to continue to figure out a way to win with young players playing in those key areas on both sides of the ball. You know how far $50 million will go in Jacksonville, Florida? I mean, you know, I, you know what I would do? I would say this. I would love for someone to let me uh, have $50 million and let me just experiment, and then I can report back. Yeah. In fact, I think that should be a year thing that we can start, that we can just kind of go fund me. Like let that. me have $50 million, and then yeah. I can go around Jacksonville for a year. I'll come. I'll move to Jacksonville. Like, we do it for a year. We'll just see what it looks like. And I can report and blog and like Instagram and, and chronicle everything that you can do with $50 million in Duval County and what it looks like. It'd be a lot of fun, JP. That's what I know. It'd oh, be a lot of fun. There's no doubt about that. That fun will be had uh, if if you have fifty million bucks and, and you'd have it over a, a long term contract every single year as well. All right, final thought with you here, Bucky. It's pro day season. I know you've been all over it on NFL Network. When was Ohio State? That was recently, and apparently the performance of C.J. Stroud was strong enough to move him to the top of your quarterback rankings, and that made some waves this week. Well, it only makes waves because uh, when I look at the quarterback uh, spot. You really have to put the line 
after Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud in whatever order. Uh, the reason C.J. Stroud is the pick for me, because we talk about prototypes. You look at the prototype, prototypical dimensions, uh, height, weight, arm talent, IQ. He has all those things. He's 6'2", 6'3", um, 220-plus pounds. Like That is typically what plays in the league. Bryce Young is special. I mean, he's a savant. He has all the IQ, all the things that you look for, the intangible traits, the way he finishes game, the way that he throws the ball, all of that stuff is great. He's tiny, though. He's small. It's a little and guy. so when you think about it, in a big man's game, durability could be an issue. Can he withstand the punishment and the pounding to play the position? If you feel okay with that, I mean, he's going to be a good one. Here's what I, 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 I'm, I'm pretty certain of. One of those quarterbacks is going to be in the division. And so we're going to have to be able to deal with one of those guys, unless something happens and both of those guys end up in the division when we talk about the Houston Texans and the Indianapolis Colts, respectively. But one of those guys is going to make their way into the division, so we got to be ready to defend them. All I know is that when Stroud stands back there and has no pressure, I mean, he doesn't miss. I mean, he he literally <laughs> asked Michigan State two years ago in the horseshoe. He put up like six touchdowns on him, five of them in the first half. It wasn't even a ball game because the guy had no pressure on him all day. Um, and then, as you mentioned, Bryce Young in big moments down in game, back against the wall. When you need some fourth down throws or you need a drive, like he's your guy. He's got some moxie to him, and you know he can get guys involved that haven't been involved all game. All of a sudden, they're they're catching footballs for you, and because he's putting it on a spot, even with pressure in his face. I mean that, that that's something you you just can't really teach a lot of that stuff. No, you can't teach you can't teach that stuff. And you know it's funny because he he plays the game in slow motion from the pocket. It is very easy for him. He's great when it comes to delivering the ball and consistently hitting the strike zone. Uh, his superpower is really his accuracy, his touch timing, and anticipation. Uh, you can say the same thing about Bryce Young. He just does it in a in a different way. I've made the comparison that when I look at these two guys, it reminds me of the Golden State Warriors backcourt, where you have a shooter and a scorer. C.J. Stroud is the shooter. It is textbook. It is pretty. It's flawless. Very much like Clay Thompson. Bryce Young is the scorer. He puts the ball in the back basket a variety of ways, much like Steph Curry. And so which one do you want to hit your wagon to when it comes to building your team? Doesn't always look it doesn't look the same, but both guys find a way to get it done. It's just a matter of what you like. Bucky, later this week, the Florida Pro Day. I believe that's Thursday, and I believe you'll have coverage of that on NFL Network, and that brings up Anthony Richardson in this discussion as well. Is he, is he going to actually do Pro Day or not? What's his deal? Yeah, he's doing Pro Day because there are Why? a lot of people that are fascinated about him. I think the funny thing, uh, guys, uh, our listeners and, and people down in Duval County are certainly familiar with him because he's right down the block in Gainesville. And so the conversation outside of – <laughs> the area they're talking about him is if he's Cam Newton and one of the greats that we've seen, and he's going to be a top five player and he's going to take over the league because he's 6'4", 244 pounds, runs a 4'4", 3", uh, has a big time arm, and he make plays. The issue that I have is when you look at how he played in the SEC, those traits and attributes haven't popped. And so you're really gambling that he is going to be something that he hasn't shown to this point. Unlike Cam Newton, who was the most dominant player in the SEC when he came out this that season in Auburn, who won the Heisman Trophy, um, Anthony Richardson doesn't have that. Cam Newton won a national title with a team that only had one other pro in Nick Fairley. Uh, shoot, even Jalen Hurts. 
Jalen Hurts was what SEC Offensive Player of the Year as a freshman. He was a Deshaun Watson two-minute drive away from stealing the game with a walk-off win. Jalen Hurts had more rushing yards and touchdowns and all of that. And so it is interesting because I'm trying to figure out if this is fluff where people are just selling Anthony Richardson as a top five, or do we really have people that believe he's a top five talent and someone is going to hand in that card because we talked about it. He might end up in the division if the Indianapolis Colts maybe make that move at four for him. And, ooh, boy, that would be something to see. He's had big moments, but no offense to South Florida. They've come against teams like South Florida where he's running for 80-yard touchdowns and throwing for 75-yarders. And to your point, the, the weeks after that against big SEC opponents, not quite there. So we'll see how that translates moving ahead. We'll look forward to that pro day on Thursday. Bucky, it's always a pleasure. Great to be back with you. It's been a couple weeks. and we'll uh, Hey, let's do it again next week. Hey, man, let's do it, man. It's going to be fun, JP. Love it. Bucky Brooks for Joe Fortunato and Brent Reber. I'm J.P. Shadrick. Thank you for listening. You can catch all our podcasts on the podcast page. Imagine that. It's on Jaguars.com or the official Jaguars Podcast Network on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you download your pods. Leave us a comment and a five-star rating. We'll have Jaguars Happy Hour Radio Thursday afternoon at 4 on 1010XL AM and Jaguars.com and Jaguars social media. This is the Huddle Up Podcast.